Every so often, we will experience something in our lives that invokes unease, distress, bafflement, and sometimes even utter horror. Of course, not every experience is the same, and some range from the dominion of the preternatural to situations of the physical world. Today, we'll explore three terrifying true stories of both the material universe and the realm beyond. Story 1, An Unexpected Surprise Nine-year-old Augustus moves into a house in Madison, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, in the summer of 2008 with his family. Although not entirely pleased that he will be attending a new school in a new town, far away from the only friends he ever knew, nothing can prepare him for the events that transpire for the next year. His new home is a rental house, so there is already very little attachment. Even so, there is something else about the house that causes Augustus and his two brothers to feel unwelcomed. Something dark. The atmosphere of the home is oppressing. The water is brown from the rusty pipes, and dead insects can be found here and there upon the windowsills. The nights are usually filled with an unpleasant silence, only occasionally stirred by vehicles humming down the interstate in the distance. Aside from these negative aspects, eventually Augustus begins having vivid nightmares several times a week. These dreams range from evil doppelgangers of family members standing in the various rooms of the house to horrifying entities lunging out of the closet trying to tickle him. Augustus often wakes up sweating and afraid. One late autumn afternoon while exploring the backyard, Augustus finds something at the foot of a tree. A tablet-shaped stone with initials and two dates. Conspicuously, a gravestone. Unnerved by his discovery, he hurries back to the house to exclaim to his brothers what he had found. At first, they doubt his claim, but when he shows them the grim finding, their jaws drop and eyes widen with disbelief. Immediately after this, they all three tell their mother what they have uncovered. However, she isn't certain about the claim and assumes it's simply their overactive imaginations. To prove to his parents that he's telling the truth, Augustus returns outside, picks up the headstone, brings it inside the house, and drops it on the dining room table. His mother can't even believe what lies before her. Later that evening, when Augustus's father returns home from work, his wife and three sons tell him about the gravestone. He studies it for a while and speculated that it was stolen from the local cemetery and placed in the backyard as a prank, since it wasn't attached to the ground. He then says they will later question the cemetery about a missing gravestone. 
Unfortunately, the father became busy with work and the gravestone sits in a closet, soon forgotten. Yet it is not long after this that the truly hair-raising events begin to unfold. Augustus's nightmares intensify and the feeling of unease affects all in the house. Eventually, Augustus's older brother sees dark shadows that don't belong to objects obstructing light, as well as a wraith-like dog that looks nothing like either of their family's dogs. In addition to this, both of the family dogs sometimes growl at walls or seemingly empty doorways. One evening, after Augustus turns over in bed, the sensation of a cold hand touching his face briefly comes over him. Immediately after this, he hides beneath his covers, fearing someone else is in the room with him. Indeed, it seems that keeping the gravestone in the house has only made matters worse. When Augustus and his family move out in November of 2009, the gravestone is placed outside in the backyard, washed off, and remains there to this day. Although now Augustus and his brothers do not agree on the cause of the unnatural happenings, they do agree on one thing. Bringing the gravestone into their house was a foolish idea from the very beginning. Story 2, Predator in the Park One day in June of 2018, a 19-year-old girl gets into an argument with her father. The following morning, she heads to work, but she feels guilt from her fight the previous day. The girl works from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., but the guilt remains. And because she feels as though going home after work would be awkward, she decides to go to a local park. Because it's still morning, the girl doesn't expect to see anybody but the occasional jogger, perhaps. However, as she drives through the parking lot, she notices a man sitting all alone on a bench. She knows she won't pass him when walking into the park, so she puts any concerns in the back of her mind. But as she nears the entrance of the playground, she realizes he is staring at her. Upon the strange man's face is a disturbing smile. He continually bobs his head to the music he is listening to on his headphones. As the girl walks over to the swings, she can feel the man's perturbing gaze upon her. For about an hour, the girl sits on a swing, thinking about the argument she had with her father. The eccentric man does not bother her, but this is most likely due to the presence of kids in a daycare program playing around. But after an hour, as the daycare children begin to leave, the girl begins to have thoughts of walking back to her car. Yet before she can decide, the music from the headphones becomes noticeably louder and this is because the same man she saw on the bench earlier is now walking over to her, his smile even bigger. The man says, hey, and walks closer. The girl then reluctantly says hello in response. By this time, the man is leaning against the swing poles, peering into her eyes. After this, the man asks the girl for her name. 
When she doesn't know how to respond, he says his name is Joseph. She then lies about her name and other information. Joseph then asks the girl if he can sit down beside her. Not wanting to be rude, the girl says she's fine with it. Joseph explains his initial attraction towards her, and the girl now fears what might happen next. Eventually, their conversation shifts to their ages, and the disconcerting man explains he is 40, even showing the girl his driver's license to prove it. When the girl explains she's only 19, Joseph pretends to be surprised and explains that he thought she looked older. After asking which school she attended, and she doesn't answer, the perverse man places his hand upon her leg. Joseph then begins to rub it while staring into her eyes, thereafter demanding that she give him her phone number. But before the situation escalates any further, a woman jogging happens to see them and walks over as if she is aware of the situation. The woman then remarks on how wonderful the morning is, saying that it's a perfect morning for a father-daughter walk in the park. Joseph replies, isn't it? The girl finally gains the courage to speak out, and she says it would be nice if her dad were there with her. Oh, he's not your dad, the woman asks. The girl shakes her head. After this, the woman suggests the girl should call her father and slowly jogs off, peering back over her shoulder every few seconds. During this time, the girl feels as though she is safe to leave and gets up from the swing, but Joseph asks again for her phone number. Quickly, the girl explains that she doesn't give out her number to strangers. After this, Joseph insists on giving her his number, but she declines and hurries over to her car. The woman walks back over to the girl's car and asks if she wants her to call police. The girl says she's fine, thanks the woman, and drives home. She then explains everything to her parents. To this day, the girl avoids the park and hasn't seen Joseph since. Story 3. Mom? Several years ago, a boy goes on a walk with his best friend and his best friend's mother, who rollerblades down a bike path about 20 to 25 feet ahead of them. As their walk continues, evening begins to fall upon the landscape, and the sky darkens increasingly. The tree branches like the cadaverous fingers of a corpse. Eventually, her mother cuts through a different path and explains that she'll meet them back at the house. This doesn't seem strange at all, so the two boys continue right along. Yet they are completely unaware of what looms ahead on this baleful dusk. As the two friends continue to walk, they discuss many things, enjoying their stroll. However, the boy suddenly spots his friend's mother rollerblading 30 to 40 feet away. They both begin yelling to her, but she ignores them and doesn't stop. They both look at each other, confused by the situation. But knowing something isn't right, the boys begin to pursue the mother. Yet she remains ahead of them, ignoring them entirely. 
As the boy and his friend near his home, the mother turns sharply into a field of grass and continues towards the woodland in the distance. They stop for a moment and wonder if they should continue to pursue her into the forest. Nevertheless, they decide to brush aside their fears and continue towards the home, as the darkness of night has almost claimed the entire land. However, when they return to the house, the friend's mother is standing in the kitchen cooking dinner. Indeed, something is very out of place. Both the boy and his friend know during that moment that the person rollerblading was not who they thought it was, despite whatever they saw. Yet she wore the same clothing as the mother, an orange tank top, short black Nike women's running shorts, and the rollerblades, and she was holding the same item, a Nike bag. For a while, neither boy speaks about what happened, but eventually they can't help but discuss what occurred. When they explain what happened, the friend's mother does not believe the story and says they were simply trying to mess with her. But to this day, both the boy and his friend swear that they saw a figure that looked exactly like his mother rollerblading towards the woods through the field. And they even speculate whether or not the entity was attempting to lure them into the woods so it could do God knows what to them. It's likely they will never know, and perhaps that is best. And I'll see you next time. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way, because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated, and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care, and enjoy your next episode.